1: Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Call in at 402-489-1240 or at 800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal.
2: Welcome to it. Fridays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And as always, follow the show with Hale Varsity at HVarsity Radio. Can follow the show there, can stream the show live on KFOR's Twitter and Facebook. And as always, uh, subscribe to, check out all the great content with Hale Varsity's YouTube channel. Numbers to get in, 402-489-1240, 402-489-1240, or toll-free where you hear us across the Hale Varsity network, 1-800-825-5865. You can email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Coming up, Jacob Padilla, going to get us Hoops ready for a monster weekend. Plenty of prep coverage before districts. Huskers in Maryland, all that goodness uh, this weekend at PBA. Coach Williams and company going to pack PBA tomorrow as well. And so we'll get there uh, in hour two. We'll spend time with Bill Dolman. Pride of Fairbury is on a bit of a road trip. He is going to see his long lost pal, Mr. Bruce Springsteen, tomorrow. In KC, so no video with Dolman today, but we will get a phone call, probably from the Power and Light District. That is my guess. So Bill Dolman there, Brady Altman's Brady's been just killing it per usual with uh, his off-season breakdowns, his recruiting coverage, and uh, we'll talk with Brady coming up, and then a weekend preview, some futures if you're into college basketball. Purdue got smacked on the chin last night. But overall, are they a favorite? What do you like about Kansas? Let's start thinking here about the NCAA and some futures bets. Danny Burke with us from VEASAN Sports Network to get all that laid out. You have the phone numbers, you have the email, you have the Twitter. Let's uh, get it rolling. Elijah, going to be a fantastic weekend. I know it's our first weekend without football. Don't tell Matt Rule that. Uh, At 6 a.m., you got the tweet from Coach Rule, and it was quote-tweeted by uh, Hale Varsity, where the dreaded sleds, not the normal sleds you see uh, with snow-covered surfaces, but the sleds you are used to well get in shape with or continue uh, your
0: athletic dominance come winter conditioning. Those sleds are actually the last thing that have made me throw up in a workout have been those sleds. Those things are brutal cuz you stack weight on top you of do, them. and you <laughs> and, and then like and then they're, they they're down lower to the ground. so You have to like kind of be in a a bit of a half squat while you're uh-huh. doing it and then you're uh, well, then then you got you got to go forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, those things are absolutely brutal. But then think about this. You're you're out there it was 5
2: below this morning. And and you're out there doing work on Memorial Stadium's turf snow covered with those sleds. Rule ain't joking around with winter conditioning, bringing the winter to winter conditioning, and 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 then uh, yeah, think about the guys who had to get the sleds out there and then bring them back. I mean, that's just part of the gig. I get it. And then you have the uh, the the football team that's doing the work. Well, and, and, and then there is Rule out there yes. just kicking it with his shorts and his parka. Yes, I've never pulled that look off, Coach Rule. Good work, man. You had the stocking hat on and. I got a kick out of it, but uh, from Blake Shelton to, to 6 a.m., he's uh, he's everywhere. But
0: I, I love that look. I mean, it is absolutely about a mentality. Well, and it's, about, look- it's about showing the guys. It's about saying, yeah, th- this sucks. We're out here in the cold. It's a negative 10-degree windshield type morning. Yeah. I'm out here with you, and I'm wearing shorts. You guys are all wearing sweatpants and stocking caps and hoodies. I'm going to be out here with you guys, and I'm going to be out here in shorts just to let you guys know. Hey, I'm right here with you. I'm suffering through. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I might not be doing the conditioning, but I'm suffering right here with you. We're, we're suffering together. That's that's great. Suffering together. It's about building that brotherhood. That's what uh, we had Coach Campbell mm-hmm. say the other day. Is about like that's what winter conditioning is about. It's about putting these guys through hell. So mm-hmm. the adversity creates a shared brotherhood between the guys. And Matt Rules kind of jumping in there by wearing shorts and, and showing the guys. You know what? I'm going to be suffering too this morning. But we're going to be building a brotherhood together.
2: There's there's a level of respect and camaraderie and support, right, that's developed when you strain and train through something like this. And I love hearing Coach Barnett's take on it because we've asked him about it. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the shared suck. <laughs> it's, what it, it's what it is. And uh, once you get through it, man, you can look at each other and go, somehow, some way we got through it, we're better for it. All right. And it's a like Mindedness. It's it's a and that's been talked about, too, with who and why and where you've gone with this staff leads us into what we'll start out talking about today. We'll also hear from Fred Hoiberg and we'll get into Husker baseball uh, a little bit, too, as they get going tonight down in San Diego. But uh, another part of the World Herald feature and their sit down with with Matt Rule and and you've lived this as Nebraska fans the last few seasons, from time to time, you experienced it as a Nebraska fan in some big games. That fourth quarter quarter falter. You, You are in the game. You either have the lead or you're tied. And the final 15 minutes, you get snuffed out. Sometimes by a large amount. Sometimes by heartbreak but it's still an L. There's been a few instances where Nebraska's been a fourth-quarter hero, uh, but that's, that's been quite a few years. And let's dive into the fourth-quarter blues, not to get all negative on a Friday, but it's, it's a reality, and it, it has to change, and it has to change in the Big Ten. And you're not going to win every fourth-quarter game, but it's time to start winning most of the fourth-quarter games because that's what they're going to come down to. Unless you just build a lead and then pile away uh, with ball control and physical play, and if you're a, a Nebraska fan of a certain age, that's music to your ears because that's how you won ball games. It was the Fiesta Bowl against Tennessee. The last time Nebraska won a conference championship, the '99 season, uh, Nebraska ended up playing Tennessee for the 85th time. It felt like in that decade. And they're down in the Fiesta Bowl. And Nebraska had three ninety, three ninety yard drives. And it was eye formation. It was some fullback trap. There were some big plays to help add up to the ninety, but it was physical between the tackle football. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't sophomore era crouch running that option and just keeping it. It was Willie Miller. It was Diedrich. It was uh Dan Alexander. I mean it was it was a steady dose of guys you know, getting five yards after contact. And then once the fourth quarter hit, you look at the Orange Bowl National Championship against Tennessee where they're wailing away. Coach McBride's talked about it. Call the dogs off. You had an All-American Tennessee linebacker that got, got smushed by an offensive lineman and then tagged by a fullback as he's crawling off the field. Call the dogs off, Coach threw his towel at Coach McBride, the white towel, throwing the towel in. That used to be Nebraska football. It can still be Nebraska football. And I know football's changed and it's different, but it still is about that war of attrition. And are you willing to and able to stand up to it? So here are some things that I think Coach Rule's right on about. Uh, one is is being fresh. Your winter conditioning translating to better conditioning in the fourth quarter. That's not just a January, February thing or a spring football thing or a summer workouts in the humidity thing, but it translates to the mindset, physically being able to hack it, but also numbers. More of a rotation, more options, more depth. You hear coaches talk about depth all the time. It's very real. And case in point, do you have depth? Do you have a a freshness your opponent doesn't have In the fourth quarter, Nebraska used to, hasn't for a while, and that's going to be a priority. It's also a mentality.
1: Mm.
2: Are you comfortable being in a tight game? What's the pucker factor? Is it, oh, no, something bad's going to happen, or, oh, yes, I'm going to do my best John Elway imitation, and we're going to win this bastard here with a fourth-quarter drive? What's your mindset? And too many times, too many teams... For too many years, saw it fade. It it was the oh no moment versus the oh yeah right now Nebraska ended on the right note with hanging on in a tight ball game that got tight. Right if it's a back and forth where it's it's a one score game or it's tied or you're trading leads, hey those are those are a little different than than having to hang on playing not to lose or even a comeback that falls short. I mean, you've seen all different instances, but with Nebraska football, uh people point out and Mo- and coach Rule mentioned this. What was your your you know, the the you're pointing the finger at the onside kick in Dublin. The whole stadium wearing red once they put their beer down or went to go get a new one cuz they spilled their existing after the onside kick. That's the moment, man. There's a lot of cool plays that happened in 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 20 22. There's some heartbreak that happened in 2022, and then there's the onside kick that it's its own category.
0: The international incident. Yeah,
2: the international incident. (laughs) It's its its own category, and people point to it that derailed the season. And coach rules like that was one play. You had the lead in the fourth quarter. Answer me, why did you give up the lead in the fourth quarter? Well, Northwestern back to the 90-yard drive. Uh, put a a finish Northwestern didn't do that to anybody else. They didn't win in the United States last year. They won one game all year, and they pulverized Nebraska on the line of scrimmage. You point to one play, but it's really a mentality and a mindset. You had the lead against Northwestern. You had the lead against Wisconsin. You were tied against Minnesota despite having a third-team quarterback. You were tied against Georgia Southern. You were tied against Georgia Southern, which you shouldn't have been, but you had ample opportunity. You go back further a uh, moment in time. One punt return. Sparty. Blocked punt. Iowa 2021. You had leads against Purdue and Colorado you couldn't hold. You had double digit leads on the road twice in that season. Mm-hmm. You turn two losses into two wins. You're bowl eligible or or better, right? So to me, it's, it's about shaping this team's mentality and Rule goes on to talk about the uh, the practice part of football. You know, are you doing it because you have to or are you doing it because you want to? Dude, practice probably sucks. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've not been out there hustling around for a lot of years. Elijah, you're closer to it. But you, you, how are you going to approach it? Are you approaching it because you're getting better and there's there's a method to this madness? Here's the why. This is why you're doing it. Or are you just kind of going out there going through the motions? I love hearing Jay Moore talk about practice because he got it dude he got out he got a lot out of practice his his approach was was the right way to make you the best player you can be to make Saturdays the easiest part of the week and there's a real uh sense to coach rule he wants an identity he wants to be fast he wants to be big uh with his football team but above all just know it's going to be tight and it's going to be okay. Uh, when it comes to the fourth quarter, if you're Nebraska football moving forward.
0: And look at Nebraska, if they can hold on to a lead or if they can go uh, break a game open in the fourth quarter, which I guess that starts right now with winter conditioning, spring ball, and and summer conditioning. If if you're the fresher team in the fourth quarter and you can go – will your way to a victory nebraska ends up being probably an 8 and 4 team last year when you look at those games that are, you, nebraska either had the lead or was tied going into the fourth quarter and that completely changes how people look at last season you go wow, nebraska's 8 and 4 despite a bad offensive line and despite all the troubles right, three behind quarter the quarterbacks yeah i mean you you end up having a, a successful season with those fourth quarters and, and i guess that kind of underscores where some people say nebraska is so far from being relevant nebraska is so far from being good but they were a fourth quarter away now, it happened multiple times, so it, it's harder to say they're a fourth quarter away from being eight and four. But across multiple games, they're a, a fourth quarter away from being a seven and five, eight and four football team going it's bowling. a
2: big in. quarter, isn't it? It's, a, it's been it's the a, most important. It's been a big quarter for a long time. And even if you're not deep or you're not fresh, fine. Are you tougher? Hmm. Are you a tougher football team
0: than the other team, than the other guy on the line of scrimmage? I mean, look, look how Michigan wears away on teams. When mm-hmm. when the fourth quarter rolls around, those those two three yard rushes in the first and second quarter turn it into six seven yard rushes in the fourth quarter because you're the fresher team, and you're the you more physical it. team. How many beers did your old man crack open once that started happening?
2: Well, we got them now. You know, ty- TV out on on the field because there's three linemen down and they need to be drug off the field because they're 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 physically and mentally exhausted mm. from the body punches. That is what Nebraska uh, was and needs to become again. The question is, how quickly can Nebraska become that? Well, they're starting the right way by freezing their ass off on <laughs> Saturday morning with sub-wind uh, chills and those uh, those dreaded weight sleds out on the
0: Memorial Field turf. I mean, that's the first we've seen of, of Matt Rule embracing what he said in the opening press conference, which is we need to embrace the weather in which we plan. Hmm. Well, this is the first we've seen it. Yes, Yes, they do. <laughs> Hey,
2: no sleeves. Get out there. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. We'll get to some of your comments in the stream. Jacob Padilla going to join us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Big weekend of high school action. Some monster matchups in Nebraska. goes for four in a row against Fear the Turtle. Hail Varsity on a Friday continues.
4: and
5: now and now back to hail varsity radio
2: thanks for hanging out hail varsity presented by currency weekend edition tomorrow morning at 7 a.m i hope you join us if you're out for a coffee and donut we say hi to jacob padilla this afternoon on hail varsity radio at jacob padilla underscore on twitter big weekend of basketball jacob how we feeling
6: Sorry, uh, you're cutting out there. What what was the question?
2: How we feeling? Big weekend of basketball.
6: Uh, Yeah, uh, it's big for, obviously, uh, both Huskers men's and women's team. uh, Conclusion of the regular season uh, for high school. So uh, a lot of hoops going on this weekend. Uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena, I think it's going to be rocking both days.
2: It'll be uh, outstanding atmospheres in in, uh, the Big Red Faithful of uh, really shown their support this year and uh, they've had a lot to be excited about with Fred and the crew as you look at this and, and i love your padding the stance column jacob on hail you, you look at why things have kind of shifted and it's really been interesting where three weeks ago and guilty a month ago for me i'm like i don't know if they win again maybe one or two and we're talking you know Fred's future that's that discussion has shifted to surprise and a little bit of awe with what they've done. How and why has Nebraska been able to flip the the conversation? Why are they winning? How are they winning with this awful hand they've been dealt injury wise?
6: It, it starts with Casey Tomanaga and the what he's done recently. I mean, you go back; it's it's ten games now where he's been in double figures in all but one of them, uh, averaging over seventeen points a game during that stretch and shooting fifty four percent from the field and forty four percent from three during that stretch. Um, he he's just been spectacular and he's drawing like top level defenders now. He had Caleb McConnell on him for for parts of that Rutgers game, who's an All Big Ten defender, um, and was still finding ways to get shots off. And he's just become so smart. Uh, about back cutting at the right time, about popping to the open spot, catching shooting. He's hitting some tough shots. He can hit with a hand in his face. He's actually better on his contested threes than he is on his wide open ones, oddly enough, Um, which is not usually how that works, but (laughs) k is an anomaly. Um, So it starts with him. And then just generally from that, uh, it's kind of impacted the rest of the team and with some other guys stepping up. And um, they've, so they're, the last four, they've scored 70 or more. Uh, they've topped 70 in each of their last four, won three of them. Obviously, you had the, the, the Michigan game where Michigan shot 80% from the field or whatever it was. Um, but even in that one, Nebraska was still scoring. They just couldn't get any stops. Um, so we've seen this team kind of turn a corner off and figure some things out offensively. And a lot of it is coming down to shot making. Um, they tweeted out earlier they've been at 35% or better from three. In seven straight games now, shooting 39% overall during that stretch. And the volume isn't crazy outside of this Rutgers game, uh, which means a lot of it's probably just KSA individually mm-hmm. more so than the whole team shooting great. Um, but that's a starting point uh, that they, they've been much more efficient offensively. And that's, I think, again, a testament to Hoiberg and his coaching staff for making the adjustments and figuring out ways to put these guys in a position um, to, to play to their strengths and, and to carry the team. We're now uh, we, we talked about how they uh, changed the the identity of the team, focused on winning with defense, uh, hustle, grit, all that type of stuff. And then you lose the two guys that made that possible, and now you got to find a different way. They had the the four game losing streak starting with that Penn State game when, when Bantamel got hurt, as they were trying to figure out, all right, what do we do now? They they were the defense fell off a cliff during that stretch, and they still couldn't score. Now uh, the defense still isn't great. Like they they, they just physically aren't equipped to, to get stops at the same rate that they were previously, but their offense is better now. And they're giving themselves chances to win games starts with Casey, but other guys have been better as well. And then that, that Rutgers game, I think was what Hoiberg thought this team could be offensively with everybody doing what they're supposed to be good at with CJ Wilcher getting out there, mm-hmm. hitting five, three, is a career high, but um, hit 17 points, knocking down some, some big shots say hitting shots as well, doing what he's doing. That space is a floor, and now you've got Sam Briso and Derek Walker, and those guys have room to go to work, whereas they're not getting collapsed on every single time they, they put the ball on the deck in the paint. Um, so the team is just working to together better offensively now with guys doing what they were brought in to do, and we're seeing the results.
0: Jacob, when you look at the past week and a half to two weeks for Husker basketball, has this resurgence been – More a credit to what Fred Hoiberg has done in the coaching job that he's been doing, or is it more down to the players being able to step up and and accept the roles that they were given and being able to knock down some shots when it matters?
6: It yeah, there's definitely a lot, a large part of it. Just in rewatching these games, guys are hitting shots. Um, Like going back and watching previously earlier in the year, like I don't know how many really good looks that Emmanuel Bandemel got and was still shooting 23% from three or whatever. Just couldn't get him to go down for whatever reason. And that's a big part, uh, part of why they were struggling the way they had. And obviously, they, they were better, but they still weren't winning um, a, a enough games to be happy about. Um, now, I mean, again, KSA's been great these past 10 games or so. CJ Welcher just had a great game. Um, Sam, Sam Hoiberg has been really solid. We've gotten some good games out of Jamarcus Lawrence. Um, just guys are hitting shots, which makes everything else easier it's easier to to play defense when you're not turning the ball over or missing a shot at the rim and giving them runouts um you have a chance to get back and set your defense and then um give yourself a chance to compete uh on that end versus giving up easy buckets all the time um offensively again the spacing just makes the game so much easier for everybody outside and i think fred said today um like wasn't necessarily he didn't completely change their schematics or anything like that. It's They're playing with better pace. They're, they're cutting hard, they're, they're screening well, um, all those little things. And, and then guys are, are hitting shots, so now they're playing with confidence. So it's all those little things kind of come together. And Hoiberg and his staff deserve credit for kind of coaxing that out of the, the team uh, and putting guys in positions to get these shots. But now we're seeing them start to hit shots, the, hit those shots at a better rate than we had all season long, or really throughout the entire Horeberg tenure.
2: Jacob Padilla is joining us, Hailvarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscores where you find him on Twitter. We're talking big red basketball, big weekend at PBA, the men and women uh, get into action and uh, Maryland comes to town for Fred and company. This is what it's supposed to look like, right? We, we have yet to see an extended run of Fred's offense the new identity defensively, and then the execution. There's always been one part of that cog that's been going rogue for whatever reason. You saw a strong finish to last year with Nebraska basketball, and you've seen them right the ship. That's what's so impressive, Jacob, is this is as bad as it could get nearly with who you've lost, with how you hung your, your hat defensively as the identity, and they've still persevered. Spend a moment here, just on the the vibe from the team, with with Coach Hoyberg and and just this chemistry and camaraderie. The buy-in's very very high. It needs to be, but they've gone through so much over the years. Quite honestly, that it's it's really fascinating to see it pay off for him, despite all the ups and downs.
6: Yeah, and that's like it. in the past three years we've seen we've seen him get exasperated at different points with combination of just the results the way the team was playing uh just things not working we haven't really seen that at this point even when they've been lost he's been he's been pleased at least publicly with the effort and the teamwork and all that type of stuff um that um that that are so important to building a foundation for winning um they they maybe weren't always executing at, at the highest rate they weren't getting the shots to go in they weren't physically uh, winning on defense uh, all the time. But uh, Hoiberg was happy with the way the guys were working, the effort they were giving in in the games and in the practice court. Um, and I think that's kept the vibes pretty good all season long, even when uh, they, they went through some rough patches. And I think this recent stretch kind of illustrates that the most, where you do, you lose two key guys that meant so much to the team. You lose four games in a row. Like we were talking about this thing the wheels could easily fall off this thing and then that's when you were wondering all right where does this leave hoiberg Where uh before the injuries you felt like okay this is this is on track for him to come back next year and uh we'll see kind of what he can do in the off season to build off this and add to the roster then you wondered the injuries happen like uh what does this thing look like if they if the wheels fall off they win maybe one more game and that's it um things start to splinter well that hasn't happened not only have they won what three games since then. Um, but they're, they're, uh, but they're, they're playing better. Um, they obviously up to 13 wins. Now they're only a game under 500, which again, isn't where anybody where Fred wants to be. Um, I don't think anybody's happy with kind of where this is in year four, but from where it was the last three years, it's a significant step forward and could point towards maybe something happening here. And, um, building building to the future and all that. I mean, obviously, losing some of the guys is going to make that hard. Like, they, There's still a lot of work to be done to, to capitalize on whatever momentum that they've managed to, to create here in the stretch. But, um, yeah, the guys have continued to work, and I think that's a testament to the leadership, guys like Sam Griesel and Derek Walker to kind of keep this team together after losing those guys and going through that losing streak to, to get that win at, at, against Penn State to kind of get these – get this little recent stretch uh, tipped off and then to come back after that Michigan game to, to be down by 17 to rally to win that Wisconsin game. And then that Rutgers game, they control that game for the majority mm-hmm. of it. They, they kind of pulled ahead. Um, I mean, they pulled ahead middle of the, the second half, then it was back and forth. And then they closed the first half strong and never trailed in the second half. They controlled that action. So um, credit to, to everybody there. Um, I, I think the vibes are good right now.
2: Jacob, uh, we've got uh, about a minute or so before we got to step away. I want to uh, just get a quick take on Millard North, Bell West. I had a chance to see Millard North for a second time, and they're incredible. And I've also seen Bell West. They they show down tonight at the um, Thunderdome. Uh, how how big a gap is there? I know they'll they'll play for a second time tonight, but. Uh, is is there just a different tier that West is on right now?
6: To this point, the, there definitely has been. Uh, even a team like Gretna, who was number two before Miller North beat them, um, they, they pushed them as hard as anybody has all year, and Bell West just flipped the switch, and that thing was over. Southeast, kind of the same thing. They mm-hmm. they, they had a lead. They, they, that thing was close. And then, what, like a 21-0 run or something like that? that to, that's what it to, was, that yes. Game. yeah. <laughs> I just saw the uh, the the update middle uh, middle of the the, the first half or whatever, and then saw the halftime like, score. Oh, well, okay then. <laughs> but uh, that's what they do. Um, they they they're a complete team. Yep. So good defensively, and when they get off hot offensively, um, then that it's that, that, just not really much anybody can do at this point.
2: Hold that thought. More preps with Jacob Bedilla on the way. GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
4: And now, and now back to
2: Hail Varsity Radio. A few more thoughts from Jacob Padilla from Hail Varsity. We've spent time on Big Red Basketball, Maryland, this weekend on Sunday. We'll get thoughts on the women in a moment with Iowa. Jacob, we wrapped up segment one here on prep action as districts around the corner. And uh, you have Millard North on the road, Bell, Bell West. That'll be awesome. I'm sure you're going to be uh, all over that. I wanted to get your thoughts real quick. I'll have it tomorrow night locally here. Gretna and Southwest, I've seen a lot of Southwest. And uh, they are highly talented and gave up 62 first-half points to Millard North, which was just uh, it was just gorgeous basketball if you're a Millard North fan. I mean, they were awesome. They were beautiful to watch. Southwest uh, regrouped and and put a good fu- you know, good push together to make it a little interesting the final three. Southwest will see where their season shakes out. It's a tough close for them. But give me a quick thought on on Gretna and in, in this game tomorrow night as they head to Southwest.
6: Yeah, um it would be an interesting uh matchup there with the the length that Southwest can throw out there, um, versus the, um, versus Gretna who, um, kind of, they, they, play four guards, uh, around Jeff Roselle. Um, they're all about six, one or so or, or under, like they, they don't have, they don't really have wings that, um, they don't, they don't have a ton of ball handling. It's a lot of Landon up And then you've got a slasher and Alec Wilkins, a shooter and Alex Wilcoxon, um, who, Man, he, he was really, really good in their game at Bellevue West that I watched last week. Uh, nearly gave them a chance to win it. But um, it depends on Southwest. Like, how locked in are they defensively? Um, they've got the length to make things difficult and, and to force Gretton into some tough shots. But they, they, they've got to execute, and, and they've got to put in the effort. they got to be locked in again. Giving up 62 points, uh, I'm sure... Uh, the, the last week of practices uh, have not been pleasant <laughs> for those guys. Um, so we'll it's see probably, how they, they bounce back. But Gretna, they've been rock solid all season. Like that's that uh, kind of those four guys uh, with Lana Bukorski, Alex Wilcox, and Alec Wilkins, and Jeff Rosell. Um, it's, it's been kind of those four all season long, scoring the majority of their points. Every game, it's one of those four leading them away. It's kind of different every single game. You never know who's going to be hot that day. But those, those combinations, especially Wilkins, Wilcoxon uh, and Pekorski, those guys have been double digits almost every single game, especially every game that matters for them. So um, th- those guys are tough. It's a tough trio to defend. Um, skilled, again, you got some lights out shooting with Wilcoxon, who's one of the best in the state at, at that. Um, Pekorski's a uh, tough shot maker. Um, he's a guy that they go to late in the clock. Um, so it, it'll be an interesting contrast of styles there. I know Southwest is got their guys back in the lineup. So um, hopefully it, it'll be a fun game tomorrow.
0: Jacob, I'd just like to note quickly with that Miller North and Lincoln Southwest game, those teams combined to average six points per minute in the first half, which is just ridiculous scoring numbers. Jacob laughs just because that that's so absurd. That's bonkers. I ran out of ink
2: with my score sheet yeah. I, did, I did
0: yeah but Jacob before we get you out of here I want to talk Husker women's basketball they got a big matchup tomorrow with Iowa I have seen that there's already I believe uh, over 12,500 tickets sold for this game which would make it a women's basketball attendance record for Pinnacle Bank Arena and with Caitlin Clark coming to town I don't think that's uh, too shocking to hear especially with Nebraska's bubble status so quickly you just tell us what's on the line with uh, with Husker women's basketball tomorrow
6: yeah that that, that loss at Minnesota was super damaging uh, both from their resumes standpoint and from just kind of the momentum leading into this game. You would have liked to get that under your belt to, to come in feeling good with a really, really talented Iowa team coming in. Obviously, Caitlin Clark, triple-double every single night, can go for 40, can go for 15 assists, um, can beat you both ways. And then you've got Monica Zanano, who is just a beast inside, um, to kind of balance that out So uh, with shooters around them. So it's it's – it's a really uh, tough team to stop. It's a team that, uh, if you like offense, again, if you were a fan of that uh, Miller North uh, uh, Southwest game, then uh, I think you will probably be a fan of this one. Nebraska's got to find a way to defend better than they did. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't you can't give up 90 points uh, to a, a Minnesota team that have been struggling. So I have no idea what to expect from Nebraska at this point. I, I just uh, slacked uh, Drake Keeler, our mm-hmm. women's basketball writer, after the game. This team does not make a lick of sense after that Minnesota loss. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what to expect. You had Jazz Shelley going off for 37 in that game. Uh, we know she's capable of some, some ridiculous stuff. Um, and they're going to need it because uh, you know Clark's going to be getting those shots up. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to... uh he, trying to remember what... And Nebraska's stretches has done a good job in forcing her to be a volume scorer more so than an efficient one um I don't know that Clark has just absolutely lit them on fire and that's the reason that they've lost in recent matchups um but you still can't you can't let her get get 30 and dish out 10 assists um because that means everybody else is going along with her uh and then Nebraska's just gotta gotta find a way to hit some shots be to to get the inside and outside going they shot well from three a lot of that was with Shelly against Minnesota but uh um they just didn't really have an interior presence there. Uh, Markowski struggled in that one, didn't score much in the paint. So you got to have uh, find a way to be balanced offensively and then smart defensively. Don't give them easy opportunities. Make them grind. Make them have to work for everything they get.
2: Jacob, we'll be following you on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore reading you with alevarsity.com. And, uh, of course, uh, the new uh, issue coming out here next week. Thanks for jumping on. We'll see you this weekend uh, on the hardwood, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. There he is. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. Uh, and a uh, good rundown of hoops. Let's hear from Fred briefly and Coach Hoyberg uh, his rundown on Maryland. He uh, spoke earlier today as Nebraska gearing up here for that 4 o'clock tip on BTN
7: this team obviously in Maryland is playing as well as anybody not only in our league but in the country right now and that run they went on in the second half against Purdue that's that's pretty hard to do and they uh, you know open up a 20 point lead at one point on the number three team in the country so we know that uh, I think it's a team that's won seven out of eight and if we turn the ball over like we did at Maryland it has a chance to be an ugly afternoon Uh, if we take care of it and we uh, have smart attack Pretty similar, I guess, to what we just saw at Mer- or at uh, Rutgers. We're going to have a good chance in this one. But, you know, there's a lot at stake, obviously, for our team right now. And we just have to continue to go out and play for each other, play the right way, and value every possession. That's going to be a huge key uh, in the game uh, on Sunday afternoon.
2: So Fred gets what the formula for success has been. Let's hear from Fred. He was asked earlier today, you know what's at stake does your team kind of see where they're at what they could round out to be and that's postseason basketball who'd have thought uh fred answered that question here has that been a conversation in the locker room beyond uh, the end of the regular season
7: yeah i I don't think i have to have those conversations with the guys they know they know what's at stake They, they know uh you know the the quality of basketball that we're playing right now <clears throat> you know we're continuing to improve with our young players um you know basically with the new system that we've implemented since Emmanuel and Juan have been out of the lineup and and we're just continuing to get better every time we step on the floor but you can't step back and take a breath and take your foot off the gas you have to keep doing the things that are making you successful and I, i'm confident we will i'm confident that our guys will continue to play with great effort and that's all we can ask of our team if you come in the locker room after the game and say you were the harder playing team and hopefully the more together team um you know then the chip let the chips fall where they may but you know it's it's a group that has continued to compete continue to prepare and you know we get two more days to get right for uh, for this game on sunday
2: Good from Fred and uh, final thought with Hoyberg. Bill Dolman coming up in fifteen minutes. Brady Altman's Hail Varsity presented by Currency.
4: And now, and
5: now back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final
2: time this hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio. If you're just finding us on the AM dial in Lincoln, it's now twelve forty. Can still hear us on the AM in Omaha five ninety. Uh, Cardi Hastings, Grand Island, 1460-1550, News Talk 900, Columbus, AM 900 and 101.5 FM. Lincoln, stream the show. Catch us on the Hail Varsity City YouTube channel. Uh, do that and enjoy. So, uh, can can hey, if you're so brave, see our beautiful faces to go along with uh, the voices. Let's hear a little bit more from Fred Hoiberg. We, we just heard, as we wrapped up, Uh, That last segment with Fred on the the situation Nebraska's in. From spoiler to maybe a postseason basketball team. Who'd have thought... Go ahead and and let yourself go there. If you're a Nebraska basketball fan, you've earned it. This team's earned it, but there's still work to do. They
0: know that. But you have a great resume-building chance on on Sunday with Maryland, who just took down Purdue, the top team in the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. and they, they took them down convincingly. And I think we spoke yesterday on the show about how this Maryland team has been pretty different at home versus on the road this season. That's why this game seems... So potentially huge for this this Husker basketball sure. team is Maryland did what they're supposed to do at home last night, and that's that they've been phenomenal all year. They they take down Purdue and now let down spot going to yes, Bank Green where Nebraska's been great. The the, the, the turtle's going to put his feet up,
2: pat themselves on the back, feel fat. You hope, <laughs> you hope if you're Nebraska they come in and they're not they're clearly not the same team. But uh, last part from Fred here on this uh, final stretch
7: and right now it's, it's one at a time. It's a weird schedule. I mean, we played so many games in a short amount of time, and then we had to take two days off, which I don't love, but we had to by rule. And, you know, we get another week after this one before the next game. So it's not an ideal time to get a bye week just with the way we're playing right now, uh, two games and whatever, 12 days or whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's the schedule that we were given, and we just need to continue to do the things that are making us a solid basketball team right now
2: they are they've bought in they've been comfortable um just an email in from uh nick uh, i cannot repeat what he uh called me but he's wishing a happy birthday
0: <laughs> okay i i think whenever you you come with the uh, the nice message like that you have the right to to, to call you a mean name you know that's kind sure. of that's, that's that's kind of how uh-huh. How dudes work is it,
2: it is it, it is it, it's a term of endearment. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
2: <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, yes, someday we'll have jerseys and T-shirts for uh, our golf team name, but uh, never ever to be uttered on air. You
0: will have to tell me off air. I'm, uh, I'm curious now.
2: Yeah, you know I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> Bill Dolman is. Uh, you know I think Bill's probably. What's the right attire for a Springsteen show? 40 years ago, it's probably a tank top or some sort of uh, popped collar or leather so he could dance in the dark. Boss is good stuff. Dolman's on assignment, shall we say, to see Bruce Springsteen down in Kansas City this weekend. So we will run him down. Get his take on some Husker football thoughts. Husker baseball gets rocking in San Diego, about eight o'clock our time. And uh, Emmett Olson, man, going to get the ball, and we'll see where Nebraska's offense can can start. Hour two's on the way with Hale Varsity. Hey, it's I Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years, FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com.
1: Welcome back to Hour 2 of Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Call in at 402-489-1240 or at 800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Tower
2: 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Football on his mind, but more so... Bruce Springsteen is in Kansas City to see Bill Dolman. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury. Bill Dolman, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, uh, back in a hotel. I see. How we doing?
0: You're muted, my friend. No, he's not muted, unfortunately. I'm not sure ooh, who is Mike. Uh-oh, something's going wrong with Billy D's mic.
2: Bill has a hammer out and is going to go
0: wage war in a moment. It's got to be something down in those settings with audio, Bill, just to to help you uh-huh. out here that's, from behind that's the awesome. scenes. Let's see if let's see if that helps you out. So
2: we 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 twenty second timeout for Bill Dolman. He's gonna scream at his team.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he had the lighting set up so perfectly too. I'm saw him working. I he had the cell phone right and the laptop yeah. right. And yeah, I mean it was it was good to go. And uh,
2: we were just gonna phone. And do we have you now?
0: Uh, I doubt it. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Well, let's, let's
2: give him a phone call. Yeah, we're going to give him a phone call. Uh, so, Bill, um, you uh, just hang tight. But yes, we could keep him on stream while he's on well, the phone. Yeah, that'd be that'd be unique. Him and only him. That'd be good. Let's do it. So we're going to call Bill Dolman here. Uh, numbers for you to get in: four eight nine twelve forty four eight nine twelve forty. Numbers to dial up here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brady Altman's going to be with this. He's been uh, doing great work running down. Uh, the different uh, options at some of the positions on offense and defense for Nebraska. We now have him, I believe, or not. Do we have him? Maybe? No? All right, so this is gorgeous. Bill Dolman with us, but uh, yeah, he's down in KC to see Bruce Springsteen. I'm anxious to get his take on uh, Nebraska's fourth quarter misery and how that can be different uh let's go to bill dolman now uh pride of fairberry thanks for working this out with us how you feeling man you've seen the boss a few times and the boss has seen you a few times
5: <laughs> yeah yeah he always points me out you know and when, when i'm uh when i'm in the crowd for the. i think this will be you and five. courtney cox right yeah yeah, I think we're I think we're at five now or so. So I uh, I assume he's in town because when I was driving into Kansas City I saw a Spirit Airlines flight uh land at KCI and I assume that's how he probably traveled.
7: Sure. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, yeah. I'm
0: sure. Good good work. <laughs> hey, better than Southwest still. Uh we're not gonna get sued, but
2: uh we will knock on wood. Junior made it down to Arizona today. That's good news. Uh to see uh Joe Mama, which is good and grandma. But yep. so Okay, uh, Springsteen's '73. I was just playing his last show last night off my phone, off of YouTube, and he was in Austin, rocking and rolling. Born yeah. to Run. Is he pretty consistent with closing with Born to Run? What's his oh, no. What's his encore no, it, it, go that, to?
5: That's usually kind of toward the. I mean, that's like in the last set of maybe five or six. Mm-hmm um 10th Avenue is usually in that mix Rosalita's toward the end Thunder Road um I, I think he's closing with like I'll see you in my dreams or something mm-hmm. so um but it's always a great show and for dude 73 uh I've seen some clips it should be another another great one
2: that's awesome Bill Dolman with us Bill let's talk uh, Nebraska football Coach Rule continuing the uh, the interview rounds and he really talked about the fourth quarter. And thought this was interesting when he when he was talking with Sam McEwen. Everyone talks about the onside. We all talk about the international incident, the onside <laughs> kick. But he's like, dudes, you had the lead in the fourth quarter. And, and that's, when do you think Nebraska got away from, I don't know that it was a conscious effort to get away from power football in the fourth quarter post-TO, and I'm talking the Solich era, but Nebraska just, people caught up or out-muscled Nebraska at some point the last 20 years, and that's shown up a lot in the fourth quarter.
5: You know, I think that culture was was kind of, born in the Callahan era because there was such an NFL mentality and the approach to practice. And I've been hearing a lot about practice and the number of stations and the number of players and, and cutting down the numbers of walk-ons. And I, and I get all of that. But, you know, I've talked about it so many times on the show, watching those four stations do their work, you know, practice after practice after practice, so that everybody was getting a relatively equal number of reps from, you know, maybe maybe if you are a, a walk-on or fourth or fifth-teamer, maybe you were getting 60 to 70, whereas starters were getting 70 to 80 to 100, okay? And... I remember going to some of Callahan's practices and you would see a lot of guys, if you weren't on that first or second unit standing around and, and watching. And, and I thought, I really think that there was that mentality for those players who were on, were lower on the depth chart, younger on the depth chart. And when your practice habits became standing around that, you know, eventually you're going to be able to be like the pros where, you know, starters in the NFL don't get a significant number of reps. I mean, the, Maybe 20 to 25, I remember guys saying. And, and so if you're the backup and that's, that's how you, you practiced for two or three years or, you know, one or two years anyway, and then when it's your turn, you've got to kind of flip that switch that you are going to be the starter and, and, and it's not going to be a physically demanding practice day in and day out. And I really think that that culture came from the NFL. And, and then Mike Riley, God love him, who had NFL experience, played powder puff football in the Pac-12 and it's just never been rep, been replicated to where it was when if you were a, a guy you walked on as a freshman you're 15 you are you're getting you know you're busting ass every day and you're getting a ton of reps so that when it was seamless when it became your time and and when you got those opportunities in the fourth quarter and Nebraska was up 49 to 7 you were playing and i really think that it was it was when that shift to the pro mentality came in that that got lost
0: well but there was Some years under Bo Pelini where that mentality was still around, because I can think very specifically of of some games, and this might not define the whole tenure, but that inaugural home Big Ten game against Ohio State where Ohio State jumps out on you, you really rode Rex Burkhead in the third and fourth quarter there to to, to get back into that game and eventually close it out. And twice against Michigan, you rode that ground attack in the second half. Uh, At home against Miami, you rode that ground attack in the second half. That was at least existent against Bo Pelini, but then it went right back away under Mike right. Riley. And I don't think the Bo Pelini era ever quite reached the, the Tom Osborne era of, of fourth-quarter physicality.
5: I, I, I totally cede that point to you. And, and I think to a certain extent, people kind of forget the Polini era, mm. you know, uh, because it was there was such a, a definition, of li- the line definition between this Osborne and Solich era, let's be fair to Frank, you know, to when the declaration was made, we will not gravitate toward mediocrity. Instead, we will come. We will sprint toward it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know that we needed to have certain a certain type of player. You know that was just it was. You know, Nebraska was producing as many NFL players in the 40-year Devanny Osbert era. And uh, again, Solich, that w- we're producing as many or more NFL players as everybody else. And all of them are going to change. Uh, but I do think that to a certain extent that the Polini era, because it was so volatile and there are times where people would, would you know, kind of hide their eyes as to what was being said about Bo that people kind of forget a little bit about that. There was, there was great success with Polini that was overshadowed by the off the field and the tantrums or whatever the case might've been. But, I really think that the last twenty years have been defined by Callahan, Riley, and you know, and for whatever ineptitude Scott brought to the table, that people didn't expect that, that you kind of forget that Bo was in there. I, yeah, Bo, Bo's teams had a had a toughness, they had a mentality, they had a physicality to them, but it just kind of gets lost in the in the other stuff.
0: Well, I think that kind of shows that, that maybe this turnaround for Matt Rule, at least in mentality might, take as long, might not take as long as some national media folks seem to think because Bo had that mentality of the team turned around within an offseason where Callahan's teams, as we've kind of gone over, didn't have that third quarter, fourth quarter physical, grinded-out mentality. And then Pelini's teams were able to get that within one year of him being on campus, and you saw the results come with that. So I think that might be all the evidence you need that, that maybe Nebraska isn't quite as far away as some people seem to think now that Matt Ruhle's taking the reins.
5: And I, and I don't think that's all on Matt Rule to, turn, to, to flip the switch. And, you know, I, in Rule's conversation this week, I think it was in the World Herald, it, it, I think toward the end of it there was a the line that said might take a while to get there. But i got to believe that there is a mentality within the players who are in the system right now who are tired of having the label of whatever, being a part, that not, not winning. You know, they're, they're ha- there's talented players in there, this is not a, a Temple turnaround. This is not a Baylor turnaround. And, you know, that article about the fourth quarter and being in games and all of those, as you read through, you're going, oh, God, I remember that, and I remember that. They have been close, right? At some point, that punt is going to go in the right direction. The Illinois punter is not going to run for 48 yards on third and 14. At some point, that team is going to make the play, that needs to be made, and maybe it's in the first quarter, maybe it's in the fourth quarter, but i got to believe that the, that the talent is there and the hunger is there, that the players who, who are ready for a fresh start and hear what Matt Rule is saying and the staff that's put, that they're ready to turn that corner now. I mean, I'm putting my, my faith in that and <laughs> my mm-hmm. hope in that maybe, but I really believe that there are players right now that are saying, now, now's our time and we're going to do it.
2: It's a mentality, and I think he'll help with that mentality uh, when it comes to confidence, you got to see it happen to to really, truly have confidence. But I think the preparation combined with the mentality, they're out moving weight in snow this morning uh, on, on the field of Memorial Stadium, so it's not just uh, all sorts of talk. There's some walk along with this, and uh, we'll see where Nebraska's at. Uh, but yeah development's going to be key and, and he'll try and get there and yeah it's going to be about being the tougher team in the fourth quarter and also uh, okay so there's some instances you're not going to be the fresher team in the fourth quarter but he wants to, to to tweak that a little bit too bill where there are more bodies that are going to be in so if you are Ty robinson you've not already waged 70 snaps before kick right. be- before it's the fourth quarter
5: But that has to come in practice. You know, there has to be a a significant rotation of players. And I kind of gleaned that from that article that, you know, there are going to be a lot of reps to be given, whatever, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that it's not going to be a lot of standing around, that that players are going to be prepared to play. And, you know, as much as I dislike recruiting, that – I I dislike the four fingers in the air for the fourth quarter bit that we see all the time, you know. It's like, it ought to be one and then it ought to be two, and then it ought to be three. You can't wait to the fourth quarter and say, now we're going to turn it on. (laughs) It's got to be from the go. Mm -hmm. And and I would love teams to go second quarter. We've laid the groundwork in the first, and we're going to bury you in the second quarter so that you have to get to Mm halftime, and you're not going to have the energy to come out in the third quarter. But to sit there and put four fingers up like, now we're going to turn it on, when it's 36 to 10, well, that doesn't do anybody any good. You got to come out of the gate right away, so that doesn't come down to the international one play that's an international incident. The international right? incident. I mean, it, it has to be established early on that you are the more physical team out of the gate, and not. You know, not we're going to turn it on and at the end, and we we'll hope the score were, we're close.
2: The PTSD that has existed the last 20 years, there's been one game changing play in some of these debacles, be it the onside, be it a missed tackle against UCLA by uh Randy Gregory, okay, where you're you know, you. This is the Bow Era, but the UCLA goes on a wooden-esque 38-to-nothing scoring run. Okay, in in the um, the, uh, the the all-black alternate uniforms. It's not the, the blocked punt against Iowa that sparks things. It's it's one play that has kind of flipped the oh no, here we go again uh, for this yep. team in in different eras of different coaching staffs.
5: Okay, now you've triggered me from recruiting to four fingers to alternative uniforms. Uh, I'm here to have a good time, but nevertheless, you know, let me let me let me go back to one of the most famous plays in Nebraska football history, the Tommy Fraser run against Florida. Right, Right. everybody is enamored with how many tackles that that he broke and Jim Nance's call and all that. I personally, I don't even think that's in the top five plays of that game. Lawrence Phillips had a, had a couple of touchdown runs uh, in that, or certainly one of the first quarter that was absolutely spectacular. But Tommy Frazier's run came in the fourth quarter when Nebraska had beaten the hell out of Florida for three quarters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that game was over at halftime. So it was, and I'm not—I don't want to take away from Tommy's effort because he was still burying them in the fourth quarter. That's what we did back then. But that Florida team, that, that touchdown run started in the first quarter and in the second quarter, and the white flags were up in the third quarter, and they just could not tackle the guy when it came. So that wasn't a superhuman fourth-quarter effort. That play was made at the kickoff, you know? And that was the difference. The same with Corey Schlesinger, two touchdown runs against Miami. That was three and a half quarters of ass kicking, and, and that was the money uh, that was that paid off in the fourth quarter.
2: Bill, uh, when you talk to Bruce, when he asks you what you want to hear, <laughs> tell him your boy Schmidty really wants State Trooper tonight.
5: Uh, let me let me text him real quick. Uh, for the Nebraska from
2: the Nebraska album. I need to hear State Trooper. And <laughs> you're not this guy, but uh, you would raise your phone and record, I'm sure, for me. And send me right? Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Bill Dolman's going to be burning lasers through people that are standing in front of him <laughs> and distracting his friend Bruce trying to film the show. That Bill Dolman's not that guy, but Bill Dolman, Brad of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor on assignment uh, Bruce Springsteen gets to see <laughs> Bill Dolman tonight. And or as we
5: affectionately call him Bryce Sapperstein. <laughs> I'm down here with all my killer B buddies from college, and Bruce is just another one of them.
2: That's awesome. Bill, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time, bud. All right, see you, boys. There he is, Bill Dolman. Brady Altman's on the way.
0: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing
7: editor of Hale Varsity.
0: I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HailVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
5: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Thanks for hanging out, Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Brady Altman's with us. Who's on the horn? We've got John on the line. John, thanks for calling. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, I uh, figured out where you're at. I got a, close to 60 friends of mine that listen to you that are in my stage of life, and I finally called and talked to your boss for a while, and she sort of told me where where you guys were, and I told her where you were very fortunate to still have you. I still, I started in the morning at six and then I explained the shows that I listened to, so it's pretty much there except for uh, Jim Rome.
2: Yeah, we're, uh, we're over on, on uh, 10, where we're staying on 101.5, but uh, AM-wise, we're, we're 1240. John, you you're going to Maryland this weekend uh, to see Nebraska? Well, no, I'm not. But I guess the question I'm asking, I'm really encouraged uh,
3: about how we're playing. And I hope, whatever turns out, that we're going to uh, be keeping the coach, I think, with all the diversities. Uh, He's done a really good job this
2: year. Yeah, John, thanks for the phone call, bud. Thanks for sticking with us. Appreciate you. And I don't think Fred's a question anymore. Three three weeks ago it
0: was. The the fan sentiment has definitely flipped with how this Husker basketball team has played over the past couple weeks because they play in a way that it's kind of the the same, the the laundry list of things we wanted with the Husker football team, a a, a team that plays in a way that'll make the state of Nebraska proud Mm -hmm. with effort intensity you know what even if the car the odds are stacked against you you're still going to continue to play hard that's what the Tusker basketball team has shown over the past couple weeks and i think fred and, and this team has been able to win a whole bunch of fans back over the past couple weeks by playing in that way
2: yeah he's done it we say out of brady altman's brady had to take a phone call there my man thanks for hanging tight with us we're streaming brady live can watch our interviews of course with hail varsity the hail varsity youtube channel and the hail varsity radio twitter handle uh, Brady, let's uh, talk about uh, old Roll Tide uh, sending some love to Carter Nelson of Ainsworth. The stud-tied end uh, has had Notre Dame, has had the SEC programs, has had Nebraska in on him uh, over two staffs. And now uh, St. Nick uh, sending his regards. I guess we shouldn't be surprised about Carter.
4: No, and I uh, – right afterwards, obviously, I I texted um, uh, Ainsworth coach Jesse Owen, and I just kind of congratulated him, you know, said, well, now Nick Saban has watched some eight-man football in Nebraska. You, you know, <laughs> I love it. There's no, there's no such thing as a hidden gem anymore. Um, but it's I, – I haven't really heard this anywhere else, and I think it's definitely worth noting um, new Alabama offensive coordinator Tommy Reese was at North, Notre Dame and Tommy and um, and Marcus Freeman flew to Ainsworth to recruit Carter uh, in the open recruiting period. Um, so I think that, that there might be a little crossover there because I think he might have been on Alabama's radar before, and I can't confirm it because I can't talk to Nick or Tommy about it. We'll work on
2: that. that. Dolman can get a uh, hold of Springsteen <laughs> and Sabin for you, all right?
4: <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, uh, <laughs> Johnny 99 for me, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that there's definitely some crossover there, and I think that's kind of why they old, Alabama ultimately offered Carter is a little bit of that Tommy Reese kind of crossover from Notre Dame.
2: Well, that's, uh, that raises – I mean, it, it, it shouldn't because it's been borderless here, specifically the last five years where there's been a lot of squads, Oklahoma, Auburn, Iowa has been pretty consistent in Nebraska. Iowa State had a couple of really good gets. This last recruiting cycle, but now you're seeing you are seeing some rural studs get noticed uh, and uh, noticed by you know the, arguably the, the the greatest in this generation, and that's Nick Saban. But, what what real quick what what's your what's your take on 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 Carter and just his the recruiting process right now? What's the what's the word with Uh, his interest with Nebraska and then also that, that allure of some other programs right now.
1: Well,
4: he's certainly got a lot of schools after him. Uh, I think he's, he's kind of just taken this uh, one step at a time. I don't think from talking with him and, um, and everybody over at Ainsworth, he doesn't really have a timetable set right now. He'll probably shop around some schools. Um, I haven't heard if he wants to make a decision or a commitment going in before his senior year, like a lot of people like to do before that season gets going, but Uh, he's, he's got enough schools around him. I think that it's definitely going to make his recruitment interesting, but obviously Nebraska's coaching staff has made sure that he is a priority for them. And I think that there's always something to be said in that, uh, in their recruitment of him to keep him in state.
0: Brady, one of the things we talked about yesterday on the show was the fact that Nebraska's had a, a real battle to go get whoever the top player is going to be in the state for the past four or five seasons, just with Malachi Coleman, Carter Nelson. Uh, you look back to, to last year where uh, you have Uh, the kid out of Omaha, uh, Jackson, the linebacker, Devin Jackson. You have uh, Avante Dickerson. If you put Thomas Fedoni in there as being a council bluffs kid, that's another kid that counts for that. It just really feels like whoever the number one recruit in the state is going to be in any given year, the who's who of college football is coming to Nebraska to recruit. It's a big departure from what, what a lot of Nebraskans are used to.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's different with like the the metro areas and stuff. You're always going to get eyes on Lincoln and Omaha. I think if you're a good ball player there, it kind of pops out. And I know from talking with um, with the guys over in Ainsworth, they were curious if they were going to get the big time college eyes on him in Ainsworth. I mean, Valentine's really the only the closest big time school there, and even at Valentine's, not a huge classification. So they they really were really curious if they were even going to get the, the same looks that everybody else was getting. Now, obviously, with all the camps and everything you can go to that in film, it bridges the gap a little bit and cream rises to the top. So I think even with even with all of like Malachi last year and was a good get for the rule coaching staff, I think Carter is going to be a real big test of, you know, they're coming in the first big recruiting cycle. You've got to lock down one of the most athletic tight ends in a position that um, – I think Marcus Satterfield likes to use, but Matt Rule hasn't really used as much historically. You got to kind of, you got to you got to keep an athlete of that caliber in state if you can.
0: Is tight end a position of need though, Brady, for Nebraska? Where if if Nebraska were to lose out on Nelson to say. Bama or Notre Dame or whoever is coming to town recruiting him, is that a big loss just considering what Nebraska has in the, the, the tight end room now or, or do you keep coming back to the fact that you need to show these other schools that you're, you're going to lock down your in-state borders uh, as the new staff come in into Nebraska?
4: Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify it so much as a position of need. Although I think that they would like a young incoming freshman tight end. I think a lot of it is is that this rural coaching staff is really. They're really adamant about moving. Moving players to different positions to where they fit best. They want to recruit athletes, speed, size, skill, wherever they can. Uh, even looking at uh, the spring roster and positional breakdowns, there's really no there's really no handcuffing guys to certain positions. I mean, if a good athlete fits in at a different position that they can work him in at and be a little bit better, fit his skill sets better, they're going to do that. So um, you, you want to recruit the athlete above all else. And I think that um, Rule and uh, Tony White on defense has kind of said, have both kind of said that. So if you wanna, if you can recruit athletes over position players, you want to do that and then kind of see where they fit in best in your system.
2: Brady Altman's with us here on Hail Varsity uh, Radio at Brady Altman's on Twitter, and uh, of course read him with HailVarsity.com and magazine. Uh, tight ends, uh, an interesting position that, that we focused in on. Brady, you look at some of the numbers and projected bodies. Uh, tell me a little bit here about the the wide receiver room, uh, and and you know we talk about. Alante Brown being a, a departure here, you've got Billy Kemp. That's maybe your new pace car, so to speak. I, I want your thoughts on on moving forward, how that receiver room could shake out, and um, what what some of your prospects or interest level is here. Who are some guys you're watching moving into this spring session?
4: Well, it's it's interesting because this is a it's a really crowded room, and there's going to be a lot of. They need some attrition to happen just by scholarship numbers to get down to that 85. And I think wide receiver room is, is an obvious candidate to lose a couple of numbers. Now with Alante, from what I've heard, he's, he, he's not out of the fold entirely. I think that that could be a situation where if he wanted to come back, I think this coaching staff might might welcome him back in. But I also think that he, he wasn't a shoe in candidate for big production. Uh, you mentioned Billy Kemp. He he could be a pace car, but they've spoken very highly of him being a return guy. Mm-hmm. That explosive kind of uh, return return man. I'd almost imagine at this point him with Tommy Hill because he's he's clocked into some big measurables that they've measured already this spring and during winter workouts. Um, the the ones that are, it might be a cop out, but the ones that I'm excited to see are like you know Malachi Coleman, um, incoming wide receivers. Where where do they rank in terms of? development because the rule coaching staff likes to develop that's that's you know they've made their bread and butter on it versus um the talent that's already at nebraska i mean matt rule has said before the previous coaching staff and scott frost did a good job of talent uh noticing talent developing it was kind of where they, they faltered in recent years so i'd like to see kind of where they're identifying talent that comes in where is that up against you know guys who have been in the system in the college game for a couple of years now
2: do you think Yes or no, do you think Nebraska is a tough football team physically mentally
4: i I think those guys who have been around for three years, I think you have to be tough mm-hmm. i mean you're you're playing on a team that hasn't made a bowl game in six years, and you're for the large parts of an entire state, people look up to you and you haven't fit their expectations, you know whether deservedly or not you you're the butt of national jokes after you lose to Georgia Southern and your coach is gone. A lot of these guys haven't had the same positional coach every single year that they've been at Nebraska. Well, they've had I mean, four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it, it takes, it takes a little bit of callous, you know, to get to where you are now to still want to push it. And then when rule comes in with this new coaching staff and his winter workouts, they're pushing these guys kind of saying, this is going to be the new standard and it's going to take a lot of hard work. And if, if, you know, You've got you got to be prepared for it. We saw this morning with the winter workouts, you know, in the stadium and pushing sled. Like this is, you know, this is the standard now. And and if you're not tough, you're not going to last right now.
2: Elijah well, was out there doing snow angels in the north end zone. That's not true. I, I, I don't think it's contestable just...
0: that these guys are, are tougher than you and me. I think the question oh, is: I, is, is are are they tougher than Michigan? Are, are they tougher than the, the who's who of the Big Ten? Tougher that than playing? Sparty in the, in
2: the fourth quarter? Yeah. That, that's, that's, that is that's the question because the result hasn't shown uh, in, in the form of a win, and, and that's got to be demoralizing to them. Brady, about uh, 40 seconds here. What's coming up from you? What are you working on this weekend? I know the, the previews have been uh, great. You've been doing a great job kind of tracking different position groups.
4: Yeah, just um, keep plugging away on some of the positional breakdowns. We're doing a quick look in at all of those um, going into the spring. Yeah. Um, and then kind of doing a little bit of seed work for some stories down the line, just kind of looking at what uh, what's going down the pike and how the, the spring game and spring season might end up looking like for Nebraska.
2: That'll be good. Brady Altman's. find him on Twitter at Brady Altman's. Read him with com and magazine. And he'll be tracking all things uh, Big Red this weekend and maybe get a picture of a corgi or two uh, in the winter weather. Brady, we'll see you this weekend. Thanks for a few minutes, bud. Appreciate you guys. There he is. Good stuff from Brady. Quick time out. Pride of Chicago. VEASAN Sports Network. It's Danny Burke with some future basketball bets for the tourney.
5: And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Back into it, a Bar varsity radio presented by Currency. Danny Burke with us, Veasan Sports Network. Burke's best bets. Busy weekend ahead at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, what's shaking, man? How we doing? Did you survive the Super Bowl?
3: <laughs> we did survive the Super Bowl. You know, we were sweating out KC plus two. Came home for us, so we're uh, very content about that result. And uh, yeah, ended up about five and two with our props, so it was a good end to a very up and down season. But we ended up on top, so uh, we'll take it. I uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and hope you guys did as well.
2: We did good ball game, good finish, and uh, lots of. Lots of drama. I mean, both court Good finish.
0: Good finish. That's one way to put it.
2: Well, <laughs> what I'm saying, it was 38-35. It wasn't 65. To, finish. 65 to seven. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Daddy, let's uh, look at college basketball. We're just a few weeks away from Selection Sunday. Who do you like for for maybe a strong futures play come March?
3: Yeah. So honestly, I'll be pretty blunt about this. I think the strategy, because of how even Keeler, I guess, more like a parody filled type of field it seems, he may just want to wait until the bracket is released and then jump in on it. Now, I realize if you wait, you're not going to get as good of odds for some teams, but also some may not alter to the point where it's not worth betting. You know what I mean? Like, if you wait, you could see their path and go, all right, maybe I missed it by a buck or two on the odds, but now I feel more confident in their path and their journey and their setup and I think I can still make a good bet on it instead of kind of just, you're not throwing a dart. I mean, you are, but not the sense of not knowing what their path is if you're doing it now. So that's probably what I'll do. But if I did have to make a few selections right now, I still think you're set up fairly nicely with Kansas. I know it's really hard to replicate, but the fact that you can get double-digit odds with them right now, about 12 to 1 in a lot of shops, I just feel like by the time we get to the tournament, that number is not going to get there, and Kansas will take you deep enough to at least give you options to hedge out, cash out, or just feel confident enough that this team can make another run to the Final Four. So I don't hate the idea of investing in Kansas again. Not as many people seem to be on the same page as me as this one, but I kind of like Arizona as a sneaky team at 14 to 1. I just really like the way they play their offense, the pace and tempo they display on that side of the ball. I think it could be enough to catch them on a hot streak throughout the tournament, and their athleticism can put them over the top with some teams. We have seen the Wildcats disappoint us, or at least myself, in the past with the tournament, so uh wouldn't be shocked if it occurred again. But I do like Arizona a little bit at fourteen to one, and then for a tad bit of a longer shot, I don't mind it. It's going to stink to say this on the air, Schmitty, but I don't mind Creighton at twenty-five to one. Although I wish, I think in some spots you. Could, I'm just looking at one book right now. I think, if I'm not mistaken. You could have got them at like thirty to one, and if you can still get them in a the thirty to one range, again, it's not me saying that I guarantee they're going to win or think they're going to win, but I think they could be in a position to go on a run, and then that number is going to drastically alter by the time we get close to the Elite Eight, Final Four. But you'll be sitting on a thirty to one ticket and be feeling pretty bang good about your selection. So I think Creighton's a good enough team, especially offensively, to put you in that type of position. To maybe give you some options with what to do with that 40 or, pardon me, 30 to 1 ticket. So, those would probably be some of the three teams I'd consider. Look, I'd want to say Indiana, but man, they're with their road splits are killer. I, you can't really trust them in this tournament setting. And yeah, I think a team like Iowa State, also a team that thrives at home, can't really trust them on the road as much. So, I don't see as much value with them. And for a really short shot, I feel like Alabama would have to be the play. They're incredibly efficient both offensively and defensively, and if they stay healthy and keep that rhythm going, I think they deserve to be recognized as the top team in the country.
0: Danny, you you mentioned Kansas to lead off that answer, but there's one problem with the Kansas Jayhawks, and that's that they'd be going back-to-back should they win this, and that's only happened, I believe, eight times in history with with the NCAA tournament that a team's gone back-to-back, and it's been 16 years since Florida did it last. So is that reason to, to stay away from Kansas is that you know what we're due to have a back-to-back national champion which side of the coin are you on there
3: yeah I don't know I really wouldn't freak out too much about it. I mean certainly you have to be cognizant that it seldom happens which that's the thing and the reason that I really haven't gotten invested with them at this point but I also believe the fact that they've shown this consistency and i starting to pick it up as of late looking like a powerhouse team again based on the price, it's probably worth an investment if you're looking. If if you're, like, teetering back and forth, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, because of the history, the trend, like, this is a team that's good enough to do it. And, again, this year in college basketball, we literally say it every year, but it's it's, it's shaping up to be an insane March Madness tournament. And a team that has that experience, has the head coach that they do, perhaps that would almost give you more leverage to wanting to back them because they've been in this type of position. And I get that they're a team that – has some turnover like a lot of the other top squads, but that culture has been instilled with them, not as much with an Alabama or Houston. Purdue certainly choked last year. The Pac 12 teams usually fall to the wayside. So that's why I think Kansas, if you're going with some of those blue blood programs in college basketball, is a team at a double digit price that may be worth buying a little bit of stock in them. And again, it's not that you have to hang on to the ticket all the way. It's almost like if you get that bet, you're almost betting on them to get to the final four. I know you can make the bet to get to the final four, but my point is you can have that 11-1 to ticket during the final four, and the odds that will be offered at that point will be like, I don't know, maybe plus 250 or 2-1, two to one, and then you can still look to make a profit that way. So that's why I think you can still put a little bit of stock into this Kansas team.
2: Danny, will wrap uh, keeping with college basketball. Purdue you mentioned how they stubbed their toe blew up everyone's bracket a year ago they're not unique in that a lot of teams the last few years have done the, the dirty to you with your uh, with your bracket <laughs> do you have more faith in Purdue this year because of what went down last year they've got the big dude in, e, in, in Edie and then they've got shooters all around him they've not been immune to a uh, uh, misstep here and there, but overall, they've also won quite a few close ball games. Do you have more faith in Purdue this dance season?
3: Yeah, in terms of comparing last year to this, to this year, I mean, absolutely. And the biggest difference maker, of course, is Zach Edie, because he's finally realized how to utilize his big frame. Whereas last year, it was like, all right, great, we got a 7-footer. He'll sometimes be reliable. But now he finally is reliable. I mean, over 22 points per game, he's averaging a double-double. And this is a guy that you can absolutely just keep handing the ball off to him down low and let him work his magic. Our teams going to scheme against it? Sure. Will he get limited to some degree? Absolutely. But Purdue has had enough depth... Um, to really still work around that. And look, I'm not going to freak out if they lose some of these close games, and especially on the road. That's what you want in a team that you're going to want to kind of hit your wagon on to win the tournament. The team that goes undefeated is a team that always has the pressure amount so high that makes it so much more difficult for them. You want your team to be chiseled along the way. If you want to compare it like Kansas City and Philadelphia, that's kind of the argument I made last week, Philadelphia was never tested. Their defense wasn't. Then they stepped up in class, and Patrick Mahomes didn't get stopped in the second half. So it's something like that where you want to have your backs against the wall. You want to deal with loss so you know how to overcome and work around it. And I think that's a big difference with this Purdue team. I'd rather have them have some of these tough losses and realize what their flaws are so they can just – and make those corrections along the way and get ready for the tournament. So, look, realistically, if they're not making the Final Four, at least it's a disappointment. But just because of how college basketball is, the realistic expectation should be elite eight for sure if you have a seven-footer and you have the experience on this team like they do and you're coming from a relatively speaking weaker Big Ten conference. So, yeah, I think Purdue definitely gets farther this season.
2: Danny Burke with his Vizen Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Catch him with Vizen. Danny, we'll talk next week. Thanks for a few minutes today.
3: Yeah, you bet, guys. Enjoy the weekend.
5: Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the reason.
5: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes.
4: Saddle up, partner.
5: Back to Hale Varsity
2: Radio. One final time on a Friday with Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're back here on KFOR tomorrow morning at 7. Uh, just, again, reiterating, uh, 1240 and 1015 here locally in Lincoln. And, of course, hear us uh, with our different affiliates across the state. Appreciate you doing that. Always stream the show. Can do so a couple of different ways. Uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Twitter, at HVarsity Radio. Always send emails. We'll get uh, to those when we can. Chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, tomorrow morning, myself, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel, uh, in Lincoln at least at 7. But
0: we do have a slight change to note for our Saturday morning show tomorrow morning. For a moment, yes. Yes, we we will be on the air from 7 to 8 tomorrow morning here locally on KFOR and then the second hour of the show will be a streaming only option the full show will be available in podcast form and the full show will also be available via streaming that's Hale Varsity's YouTube page the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter account KFOR on Twitter and hopefully by tomorrow KFOR on Facebook mm-hmm. as well we'll have all those so if you want the full show check it out on streaming we'll be there from 7 to 8 and we're working through some ways to get the full show available on the air on Saturday. full two hours streamed for sure so but that is the best way to check it out if you want the full show the Streaming option. It's great. You can see our lovely faces at 7 in the morning when we're both – we'd all rather be in bed.
1: Eh, <laughs>
2: I'm no, kidding. No. I'm actually
0: kidding there.
2: Once <laughs> well, the show starts, no.
0: <laughs> that's right. I'm kidding. Uh,
2: get buckled up. Reminder to get uh, the seatbelt in use. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries. Only a properly worn buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll have plenty of takes on Nebraska's season opener against San Diego Tonight, how's Emmett Olsen fair on the Hill? What's the offense do and what kind of tone can be set this first weekend series? A lot of baseball, but it's exciting to have Will Bolton crew back in action. You can hear that, of course, uh, with our affiliate 590. They'll have your home for Husker baseball all season long. So, Eric B. Enemy, he actually may be leaving Kansas City. They're trying to finalize things with the Washington Commanders as uh, their offensive coordinator. So it's a lateral move, allegedly. And we'll see. I always, I always kind of think this. I think if Biet- Bietamie could have forced his way into some head coaching job, be it at Colorado a few years ago, or there's been other NFL stops he's made. He doesn't interview well. That's the word. All right he's making a couple million dollars a year working with Mahomes, working with Andy Reid. If he truly wants to be a head coach somewhere, he should have been already based on based on his body of work as a OC, but this will give him some separation mm. from is it Andy Reid's brain or is it Eric Bieniemy, is it a combination? Is it
0: just two guys who have the best quarterback in the league and everyone's going to have a good offense like and, that? And
2: Andy Reid's done been there done that with quarterbacks he's done it in philly and he's done it in kansas city eric b enemy's incredible all right brilliant offensive mind he might be a guy that's just happy being an oc and wants to get a raise mm. and he might just be the guy in waiting for kansas city or he goes off to washington then
0: comes back to get the job I mean, the commanders have said today as of, of sunday as being when they they hope to have a, a deal done if eric b is their guy We'll see. Uh, Talk to you tomorrow
2: at 7 with Hale Varsity. Thanks for tuning in.
0: A Huda Media Production.